Hi, I'm Dora from Dora Nicolau and my drink of choice is a chai. I'm Gemma from Contently Driven and my drink of choice is red wine. And I'm Michaela from Inspired Office and my drink of choice is a sparkling white wine. Work-life wine time supports the responsible consumption of alcohol. (laughs) (laughs) Hello and welcome to episode 70 of the Work-Wife Wine Time podcast. The podcast for Australian women in business who are looking for connection and the support of other women who are sharing the same business journey. So you've got Makala and Gemma here with you today, and we're ever so excited to connect you with our very special guest, Corinne Crabtree. So Corinne is a master certified weight and life coach, podcaster, and entrepreneur with two very successful memberships, the No BS Weight Loss and the No BS Business Women's Program. What a guest to have with us here on Work Wife Wine Time. So Corinne, thank you for being here. We are so excited to have you joining us today. Well, I'm excited to be here. You know, this is the first time I've been on a podcast where there's two hosts. Oh, really? Yes. Y'all are the first one. Like I always, anytime I've ever been interviewed, it's just been like, you know, me and this other person. <laughs> so this is awesome. Okay. I I have to um, make an admission here. We normally do one like guest separately, but because it was you, we're both like, oh my God, we have to do this one together. That's all. Well, I appreciate that. <laughs> that means a lot to me. That's awesome. So yeah, we got a little bit excited. So Corinne, tell us a bit more about who you are and what it is that you do. So I lost a hundred pounds, 15, 16 years ago. Oh my gosh. I was just counting the actual time up not too long ago with um, someone else I was talking to. So it was about 16 years ago, I'd lost a hundred pounds and I'd started, I started my own business because all of my life I'd struggled with my weight. I was bullied as a kid. Like literally when I tell this one little thing, people really understand what it was like to like suck at like being a kid who had a weight problem. Not only did kids bully me, but when I would go to PE, I had a teacher who would say, no one's going to want you. So you just sit on the bench and then they're all going to do the stuff because I don't want to make anybody pick you. (laughs) Wow. And I know it was like, oh, this is a physical ed teacher. And it was like, that was my wow moment. Probably when I realized like my weight is like a huge problem. Like the world sees it as a problem. Not only do my peers see it as a problem, but people of authority now see it as a problem. Mm. So I was overweight most of my life. I like went from about 175 pounds, to 250 pounds, like sometimes more than 250. And then in my thirties, I finally decided I was never going to do like any kind of diet that I had to suffer or that any kind of diet that would set me up to fail. And I, I just, it's like, I knew myself well enough. It's like, you have to get wins first. Like, I don't care if it's little, I don't care if it's small, but it's really important for you to keep going. So I started with some small changes, ended up losing hundred pounds and then decided I wanted to help other women do it too, because I knew that I had done it in a way where not only had I lost weight, but I also changed how I thought about myself. Like throughout the entire journey, I'd learned how to become a cheerleader instead of a hater. I learned how to motivate myself instead of pressure myself. There were these fundamental internal shifts that happened for me. And I knew that that was why when I'd lost the weight, 
for the first time ever, I was proud and I was also confident. And I knew that I wasn't going back. Like I had created a life that I loved. So now I'd removed, like when I created the life I love, I now removed the main reason why I was overeating to begin with. I didn't like my life and I didn't like myself. And when I overcame that, that that's why it's been easy to maintain the weight. So I started a business and then last year, because I had, you know, I'd had my years of hardship. It took me 10 years before I even made money. Like I was making a little money, but I was spending it just as fast as I was making it. I really wasn't treating it like a real business. I was just like, oh my gosh, I just want to help people. And yeah. like I just took a very airy fairy view of my business. And then I got serious. And once I started really making good money, um, I wanted to help other women do the same thing. Like I was just like, other women need to know how to start a business, grow a business, scale a business. And they shouldn't, it shouldn't have to take them 16 years to get it going. Like it did for me. Like I wanted to do the same thing for my business people as I did for my weight loss people, which is this shouldn't be a lifelong struggle. Like somebody needs to just show you a quicker way to get it done. And we do it quickly by addressing the real root causes of all the problems. That's awesome. So how long, so you said you took, it took you 10 years to start taking your business seriously. Mm-hmm. So you've been a serious businesswoman for six years now? Six, yeah. Yeah. But and about since 2000, I would say 15, 16 is when yeah. things really changed for me. Uh, prior to that, like I was dedicated. Like I will tell y'all, I worked like 60, 70 hours a week. I was passionate. Like I loved what I was doing. Like I could sit all day and talk to my clients. Like I was always trying to think of like new things to show them and stuff. So I never was hustling like from that mindset of burnout. It was like, I have a mission. And like every day I was like fueled by it. But my I never tied to that. Like, all right, so do we want to have a money goal? Do we like, how are we going to structure things? I didn't think about it like mm-hmm. a business and it all changed in about 2015. That's when I was like, okay, like how much money do I want to make? Like, um, what do I want this membership to be like? I started studying how to set up memberships. I started studying courses. I started studying like, how do you help more people without you having to grow your time? And that's when everything started really changing. Mm-hmm. And what did you do like before you started your business? So from, well, good Lord, I was, I was working before it was legal. (laughs) I I grew up really poor. So I was scrappy. I remember when I was 11 getting paid a hundred dollars a week to babysit two little kids all day long in an apartment. Her rule was just don't leave the apartment. And we would just sit there all day. And I had these, like, I had a one-year-old and three-year-old I had to keep up with, but hundred dollars a week back in the eighties, she might as well have been saying, I'm giving you like 5,000 a week. So that was like big money. And then I started, I worked at a Burger King. I was the specialty board chick where I made the chicken sandwiches and the fish fillets or the fish sandwiches. (laughs) Then I got into restaurants and was working like as a server from one restaurant company that I worked in, I moved into the corporate side of things, into their offices. I was a mail runner. I was a receptionist. I was an executive administrative assistant. Uh, I was in the training department. I did all kinds of things. And I ended up spending 13 years with that restaurant company. 
but there I got a lot of experience in just things that I do now. Like they, um, they always took a shine to me, I guess, because I, I mean, I worked like I was the kind of person you could rely on big time. And I got to go through classes on how to like a three-day class with Zig Ziglar on how to talk to people when you don't know how to talk to people. Like it was like, we had to do 21 speeches in three days and you could only prepare five of them. <laughs> like wow. it was, like I got to do all kinds of, like I got to do, get certified in time management and certified in um, like personality type things like the disc and things like that. So I spent a lot of years doing that. And then I left um, in, I don't remember what year, I think it was 99. I left that company to get married. And I just knew that I wanted to do something different with my life. I just didn't know what it was, but my husband and I were getting married and I thought it was just a really good time to exit. And I didn't do much of anything other than crank out a baby super fast. We, uh, I left that company in August. We got married in November and by February, I was pregnant. Like it was just, it all happened really fast. And so I just raised that baby for a little while, lost my weight and then knew that I didn't want to be a stay at home mom, but I also didn't want to go and get a re like a real job. So that's when I kind of fell into like, I'm going to help people online lose weight. And that's, that's kind of where I, that's where that idea came from. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Very good. Um, oh, I love it. And I guess when you're not being a business owner, what, what are you doing? What do you do outside of your business? Not a ton. <laughs> like <laughs> I think people would be surprised exactly how boring I really am. Uh, my husband and I love watching TV. Like we like to binge watch shows. We are watching person of interest, which came out in the like mid two thousands. Like we like to watch a lot of crime shows and stuff. Um, we're buying a restaurant right now. We're buying a local sports bar. That's going to be our hobby side gig, but that's like something he and I want to do. Um, so we go there a lot and we talk business, we talk liquor strategy, we talk promotional strategy. I mean, to us, that's fun. Um, we go to Vegas a lot. So we're big gamblers. We like, and only poker though. Like you're not going to catch us at a blackjack. If you do catch us at a blackjack table, it's because <laughs> some friends of ours have invited us and they want to play blackjack. They don't want to play poker. And we're just sitting there like time to lose money. All right, let's go. <laughs> so, but we play a lot of poker. We have been playing poker since we started dating. He introduced me to it. Then I got better than him at it. And then he came, he used to play blackjack and dabbled in poker. And then he's come over to the dark side and that like, we're leaving this week, in fact, to go to Vegas for three days. And we will literally sit at poker tables for 12 to 14 hours a day and just play. Like, that's what we love. That's about, and we also like pinball. We have a pinball machine at our house. We have pinball tournaments all the time. Uh, <laughs> I like cornhole. We, play, we do cornhole tournaments. I like we just word search tournaments. Like we have a video game where you do word searches. I love those things. I'm highly competitive. But I'm just <laughs> going to say in like dumb crap. <laughs> so. I love it. It's so good. And it's just really funny because, you know, it, <laughs> our, all our Australian listeners are like, oh, this this lady's like, oh, I do nothing, not much with my time, but I go to Vegas. Like for us, that's like two days to get there. And <laughs> well, that's true. Well, it's four hours. It's not that close for me, but we're very dedicated to the poker. And <laughs> it's the 
only like literally on our side of the country, it's the, it, you might as well just go to Vegas at this point. There's a place that you can drive to in Nashville. It's about three hours from here driving. It's so awful. Like there's still so much smoke. It's in like Mississippi. There's nothing to do unless you're playing poker. Like it's, it's terrible. And so we're always like, I'd rather fly four hours to a whole other side of the country than to drive three hours to go play poker. <laughs> oh, I love it. And just finally, please tell us where you're from because you are the first beautiful person on our podcast that has had an accent like you. So we're all dying to know. I am from Nashville, Tennessee. I oh, am so born, cool. bred, and raised here. <laughs> <laughs> oh I love it so I guess we'll we'll get stuck into it um we are an Australian women's business and podcast celebrating all women in business um it's amazing we love having international guests so we're really excited and what we wanted to share with our audience today was talking about the parallels between weight loss and business um and who better to speak to about that than you of course um, so I guess to begin with, we'd love to ask you, how did weight loss support um, your business growth? Super curious. Yeah. So like with one of the things that I think is very common in both is like the only way that we're going to lose weight is we have to have a strong relationship with ourselves. Like weight loss will expose the rocky relationship you have with you, like the types of conversations you have in your head. Like if every single day you're like, Ooh, I got lucky today that I lost weight. I hope that continues. We do the same thing in business. So if you think about like, if you have a launch or like you get a sale or whatever, women are so bad to be like, Ooh, I got lucky. I hope that continues. It's such a terrible way to think about yourself. Like for women to sit around and think that, oh, it can't be our talent. It can't be my effort, my persistence, my commitment, my willingness. It can't be any of that. It's my luck factor. And so I think like for both, like if you want to really grow your business, you got to have a strong mindset. And if you don't have a strong mindset, then you got to go to work on it while you're taking the action to grow your business. And the same thing happens in weight loss. In order to lose weight, you got to have a strong mindset. And if you don't have one, expose it so that you can fix the root cause of your weight. And I think it happens in business. Like the root cause of not making money is usually a crappy mindset. It's not Mm. always just skill gap. And I think that's a, that happens on both sides. I always like to think there, there's a, um, like an internal gap that happens for people. Sometimes we have belief gaps and we have um, self-talk gaps and stuff we have to fix, but we also have skill gaps that we have to fix. Sometimes you don't know, like literally your hunger cues and your enough cues. Sometimes you don't know how to set up an email campaign. Sometimes you don't know how to make a website. Like when you teach someone the difference between a belief gap and a skill gap, then they can quit beating themselves up on the skills they don't have yet. So many women, we just think we're dumb. We think we're uneducated. We think we're not as good as the next person. And it's like, why would you ever know? Like, I always love it when someone comes into my membership and they're confused about, I should really know this about funnels. Why should you? Like, where in the world outside of the online space is anybody talking about email funnels and opt-in pages and stuff? This is not something you should, like, it should just rain from the heavens and be in your ears. Like, it's literally really the parallels for them is both it's that internal chatter 
Women need to learn how to talk to themselves responsibly, encouragingly, and all the other lees so that they can either grow their business or lose their weight. Mm, absolutely. That was an excellent answer. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm just, it's really interesting talking to you about this because I actually, um, coach to no BS weight loss women oh, who wow. are also coaches and um and so we talk about some of the weight loss things that you teach and I actually have to admit that there's a few things that they've taught me that you taught them that I've then taken and flipped and used for business coaching yeah because I just think it's it yeah and that's kind of what prompted us to want to talk to you about this specific topic as well because it, it really is just so interesting. So what what weight loss techniques can actually be applied to running a business? Like with your two memberships, what kind of stuff have you taken from one and used in the other? So that's a so one is planning. So I'm a big proponent in weight loss of making decisions ahead of time with your food. So I, you know, one of the I have four famous basics. <laughs> one of them is we're going to make a 24 hour food plan. One of the things I do in the business side also is really need to plan what you're going to do for the day ahead of time. Because mm -hmm. if you show up for your business, the last thing you want is emergencies and other people's priorities dictating where you're spending your time. Otherwise you can't grow. And so I always teach like, we're going to decide ahead of time how we're going to spend quality time in our business every day. That doesn't mean that we don't have room on our calendar for the emergencies, for the BS work, all that kind of stuff. But it like all of that can't be at the sacrifice of revenue generating activities, growth focused activities, the things that are so easy to put off because they're not going to have an immediate return, but they are mm. the blood, like the lifeblood of your business. So planning is one. And there's another concept that I've been teaching in the weight loss side that totally applies to business. And it's called phases of change. So whenever you are making change, a lot of people, they get very defeated because they think like the second I learned something from you or the second a concept is presented to me. And I agree. Like, let's say you teach me something and I'm like, that is the best crap I've ever heard. I should go do that. I am all in. Woo, I'm excited. Well, they go do it. It doesn't go the way they think. Sometimes they forget to do it. They for, I forgot that we were even doing this. In phases of change, what I teach is phase one is called waking up. You're introduced to an idea. 20% of the time, you do it enthusiastically. You remember and it goes right. 80% of the time, you forget. It doesn't go uh, you do it wrong. It's like, you know, just all of those things. Then you go to the next phase, which is the momentum phase, which is 40% of the time now you're doing it enthusiastically. 40% of the time it goes the way you think it should. And 40% of the time, like you remember and stuff, 60% of the time it's still rough. You're like, you don't necessarily remember it. It's quirky. It's clunky. It's not going as promised. The key is you have to, through each phase, if you really understand that's what's supposed to be happening, then you don't spend time thinking, this isn't working. Something's wrong with me. Like if you understand the phases of change and how they work, it's so much easier to let that story go. 
And the other two phases are, um, it's called make it or break it is the third one. This is the hardest phase because 60% of the time you're remembering, you're enthusiastic and you believe in it. And there's still 40% of you that's like, well, now we've hit the real rough spots. Here's the real things that get in your way. And here's the things that aren't going well. And you're still forgetting at times and not wanting to skyrockets during that time. It's usually the last man standing is the, I don't want to, I don't want to do this for my excuses. But if you continue to think like, this is normal, I'm going to keep working on these things. I'm going to keep moving forward. We move to the final phase, which is 80% of the time we're doing the thing. It's a habit. We're excited and all this stuff. 20% of the time, it's a hot mess. It's not happening. We still don't want to and stuff. And in business, when people hear that, it's like, oh, I'm not supposed to be perfect. It's not supposed to just work all the time. I'm not supposed <laughs> to be highly motivated. Like, I love it when a business person is in shock and awe that they wake up and dread their work. I'm like, come spend a morning in my brain. I just got interviewed for another podcast. She's like, can I cuss on y'all's podcast, by the way? If yeah, not, I don't yeah. have to. Yeah. We're Australian. Okay, well, I just want to make sure because like <laughs> I, I'd hate to be dropping F-bombs and be like, clutch pearls, we, we my listeners don't swearing. do that. <laughs> we encourage swearing in this country. <laughs> All right, there we go. Well, she had asked me like, tell me what it's like in the morning for you every day. And I said, can I tell you the truth? And she's like, yes. And I said, okay, open my eyes every day. And the first thought that almost always runs through my brain is, fuck me, I don't want to get up. <laughs> <laughs> I. I would love it if there was a day where I just woke up and was like, cannot wait to change lives. I bet my calendar is full of amazing things that I planned for myself. It's always like, this is going to suck. You got like six podcasts to do today. On top of that, you got to do this and you got to wash your mama's ass because she's rehabbing at your house. I'm like, that is my day every day. And I think for entrepreneurs, it's so important for us to, and even in weight loss, you probably won't be highly motivated all the time. It's like the moment you understand that our job is not to be highly motivated. It's to run wild with it when it like that, when that lightning hits, run wild with it. But most of the time, what we need is commitment and willingness. I am very willing to get out of bed, even when I'm like, fuck me. I'm very willing to make my coffee. I'm very willing to look at my calendar and figure out, all right, what is on the calendar today? What are the things I need to like remind myself of when I'm procrastinating, dicking around or doing whatever I'm doing? So much of the entrepreneurial journey is about just taking the next step forward. It's, mm. you know, the only times I think I have a lot of passion and purpose for what I do. So it's like the undercurrent, but it's not loud in my brain. It's not like I'm sitting around all day long thinking, my customers are amazing and I can't wait to change their lives. It's like, I believe my customers are amazing. I believe I can change lives, but that's not what I hear all the time. And that undercurrent of belief is what makes me say like, just get back to work. I know you'd rather online shop. I know you'd rather do something else, but you need to get this done. And most of the time I just tell myself, I promise you'll be so glad when it's over right now, you got to just start and you got to do it when you don't want to. And I have that conversation with myself all the time. And I don't burn out because I don't think that shouldn't be happening. And I don't burn out because I think that that's a problem. I just think that's normal. I just don't mm. think humans are wired to be motivated to do anything that's hard. 
I'm yeah. so glad to hear you say that. Like that that's such a good thing for people to hear because you do hear a lot that it's like, you know, you've got to find your passion that gets you out of bed in the morning and makes you look forward to the day and, you know, it's just not a thing really. No. Like you can have, like you said, the underlying current, but, you know, like even this morning I was so excited about interviewing you on the podcast, but holy crap, when my alarm went off, the last thing I wanted to do was get out of bed. Yes. Uh, in it's the like, dark it doesn't matter at how 7 a.m. Yes. It's like it doesn't matter how exciting. Just like I have all these podcasts lined up because I like I just want to get the word out like like there's there's a part of me when I'm planning all this work that's just like passion and purpose this is gonna be amazing and blah 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 blah. then it's like all right here's the day that you're supposed to do all the things that you planned from the passionate version of you in Mm -hmm. that moment most of us just don't want to do it and it's just like in weight loss when we are so many of my clients they plan their food and in that moment because they're thinking about their future and they're thinking about their why's all of it makes sense. It's in alignment. It's like, this is what we should do. Then you have the normal day, you have your normal crap, you're tired, you have your physical, all that stuff going on. It's not shocking that, don't be shocked that you don't have that same energy and zest at that moment. I just think we're supposed to kind of dread things a little bit. If if I ever solve it, you'll be the first podcast I'll come on to tell you what the answer is. But so far- It's just been like, (laughs) fuck me. Let me get to the toilet. Then I got to get to the (laughs) coffee maker. And then I'm going to sit here. I'm going to look at my day and I'm going to like slow roll into like, this is what I need to do today. Like, this is where I need to be. Like, I'm like, okay, I'm starting to get my mindset on this is what's happening. And then sometimes I journal on a few questions of like, why is this important to the business? Like very often I just ask myself questions in the morning of like, what makes this important? Why are you doing this today? Like what, what, what benefits will the business experience? What benefits will the client experience? That gives me clarity. It doesn't always give me lots of excitement and high motivation, but clarity is better than dread. Mm. And I just feel like the, I feel like so much in the um, business world, especially in the coaching world, like we just, we have to quit expecting to feel so passionate and motivated all the time. Not everything mm. is like, I can, I totally believe in myself and I totally believe in my business. If I was to sit and think that every time I wasn't unmotivated, that means I have a belief issue, then we have a problem. I don't have a belief issue. I just don't want to do it in the moment. And that's normal. I don't need to do a ton of thought work on that. I just need to get to work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love that. And, um, you know, for our listeners who aren't coaches, um, can you just give us a little explanation there of what you mean by thought work? Yeah. So like thought work is where, let's say, um, let's say you're a, what what's the typical business for y'all? Do you, do you have like something that's very disjointed that y'all work with a lot? Like, do you, do you work with brick and mortar businesses or do what? Um, both of us work a lot with coaches. Um, in my day job, I work with uh, professional organizers. Okay, this is a good one. So I have one that's in my business membership. She actually has done all the professional organizing in my house and I love her very much. <laughs> <laughs> so for that person, it would be like, I'm supposed to go show up and do 
like, let's say I've got two houses today. I'm going to go and I'm going to help them organize their house. You're probably going to wake up in the morning and dread doing it. You're going to be like, as much as you love organizing and you have all this passion and stuff, you wake up and dread like, oh, it's going to be a long drive. I hope they don't have a lot of dust. You know, I get like sneezy whenever there's dust, like your brain does all of this stuff. So it zaps your emotional energy. Thought work would be sitting around and listening to that and saying like, I know you dread it every time. Thought work is where we like look at what we're thinking instead of believing what we're thinking. That's the way, that's like what I would call the basic 101 for um, anybody who's running a business is don't believe everything you think. Most of what you Mm -hmm. think is just a big ass story. So the way that the brain works is um, it's a story generator. So if somebody was to knock at my door right now, my brain could not help but think, I wonder if that's my Amazon package, or I wonder if that's what I ordered, or I hope to God that's not somebody selling door-to-door pest services. Like our brains just automatically make up stories and it makes up stories about everything. And so you want to, like as a business owner, your thought work is getting really good at listening to what you think and then just questioning it. Is that even true? Is there, my favorite question is, all right, let's say it feels true. What else could be true? Like what is equally as true here? That is just an easy way to at least give your brain this idea of just because I think something, and especially if it feels terrible, it doesn't mean it's the only thing I have to think. I could always think this too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. And um, yeah, that follows imperfect actually, because what we were talking or what you were talking about a little bit earlier is, you know, all those thoughts that run through our head, like the something's wrong with me, or I must be lucky. Or, obviously it's can't, I can't be smart and all of those things that as women, for some reason, we're just programmed to think from mm-hmm. somewhere, wherever it comes from. Right. And it can be quite struggling in business because we think that, uh, you know, this shouldn't be happening to me or I'm not smart enough for this. I'm not good enough for this, all of those things. Um, so I would really love to ask you about um, emotional eating. So as women, a lot of us are going to have all sorts of feelings, whether it's, you know, um, something bad happened in the business, something's going on. So we're going to start eating and doing all of that. And of course, that's going to cause at some point, you know, weight loss issues and things like that. Um, but what I'm really curious about is, you know, how does that affect running a business? And also, uh, Mick and I are big high productivity queens. Like we are all over it. We get more shit done than anyone ever in the world. You know, it's it's like, we really do. Like my, my mother bought me this, the, the CEO of getting stuff done (laughs) for my dad wouldn't swear. Yeah. And she's like, oh my God, I saw this. That's you. You just do stuff. <laughs> yeah. You just sure, do Mom. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you just, you do it well. You just do it. You just get it done. And I'm like, yeah. And it's a lot of that, of course, is, you know, ignoring that whole, I'm not motivated, so I can't do it, you know, obviously. Right. But um, I would love to know with emotional eating, how does that, are people using that as like avoidance techniques? Oh yeah. So like so often I, like a lot of my clients will not want to work on something. And so they'll notice that every time this thing comes up on their calendar, that Mm. they just need a snack 
or they need something to power mm. through. All the snack does is quiet your dread or your fear. So when you're overeating, what you don't discover is what is it that you're telling yourself about this that you're probably scared of? And almost always, there's three big reasons why we end up not doing things. One is there's a, a fear of something. So just even asking yourself, all right, like, is there something about this project or something about this that I'm afraid? Am I afraid of what people will think? Am I afraid I can't get it done? Am I afraid I'm not smart enough? There's usually something going on there. And then when you find, if you're eating, you'll never find it. Because what I watch most people do is, especially A-types, if I eat and I drown out the fear with some food as a distraction, I can get back to work. So we use that as a, it's almost like it becomes a warped productivity tool. And the best mm -hmm. way to be productive would be to, like I always tell people, it's like, you think you ain't got time? Get out of the pantry. You ain't getting nothing done in that pantry. So like, if you need a few, if you need 15 minutes added to your day to accomplish something, stop eating. But I tell them that the biggest disservice that you have is that when you eat, in order to get something done is you just teach yourself, ignore what you're afraid of. Like food will never solve fear. It What it will do is tamp down those voices long enough for you to get back to work where you're undistracted from the voices. The second big thing that we do is we, um, we might be eating or procrastinating or whatever's going on is because of a lack of purpose or lack of passion. That's why like, I do start my day with thinking about like, how's this going to impact my business? Why is this important to people? What is the value of the work that I'm like doing? When you, when you have that at that subconscious level, you can experience dread, lack of motivation, just like, I just don't feel like, like the, I don't feel like it's and stuff. You can experience that. But if you are just at all the time trying to work and you forget to think about why you're doing it to begin with, that could be signaling something. So you have to like ask yourself, like, like ask, am I doing that? And the third one is uncertainty. Very often people will eat if they're uncertain about something. So they'll be worrying things will happen. They'll be like, it looks like a lot of worry, trying to predict the future, doom and gloom. Like you'll notice people will, I'm predicting things, but I only predict things through one lens. Terrible. Like everything mm. fails. So when you have uncertainty, what you want to do is you want to question like, but what am I certain of? What am I in control of? Like with worry, I always tell people there's three ways to attack worry. Number one is write them all down. So you got to write all your worries down. But the first thing is, which worries do you have zero control over? Like if you're worried about something you can't predict, no matter what you do, you have to set it aside when it comes up. You just have to remind yourself, there's absolutely nothing I can do about it other than Continue moving forward. If it happens, I'll deal with it. The second thing is you'll have a group of things that you have some control over and you're just not taking those measures. So you want to look for like, so what could I be doing in the face of this worry to give me a sense of control again? The third is you'll have a worry that you have complete control over, but you don't like what you have to do in order to solve it. So on the opposite side of it might be firing someone, might be having a difficult conversation. It like it could be something along those lines. So it's like I'd rather worry 
than have this thing that I'm like very terrified about. So when you kind of break it down like that, at the very least, you get clarity. Like this goes back to that, like what would thought work look like for someone who is not a coach? This is also thought work. Listening to your worries and listening to those things helps you really disseminate what is fact from fiction going on in my head. Karen, can I just ask you one more question? Because then we kind of need to start wrapping things up and we want to hear a bit more about what you've got going on and where our people can find you. But here on Work Wife Wine Time, one of our major things is collaboration over competition. So can you tell us, like, what, what does that kind of mean to you and how do you use collaboration in your business? So, for well, for one, like being on these podcasts and stuff, like, like I have literally like the last few weeks been on several other weight loss podcasts, even though I have a weight mm-hmm. loss business and like, I'm talking about mine, but I'm also talking about theirs. Like why you might be a better fit than me. I just, the way that I think about things is no matter what the niche is, there are so many people in this world and yeah. there is no freaking way that anybody is going to dial in a niche where they're going to run out of clients if like somebody else is doing it too. I feel like we all are better when we are willing to work with our direct competitors. Like one of the yeah. things that I do and people get shocked at this all the time is I have this um, advanced certification coming up. I'm literally teaching other weight loss coaches exactly what I do, how to be a better coach, how to go get the clients and do all the things. But my mindset is, I want more weight loss coaches out there. I'm never going to like, not everybody's going to like me. It's like, um, like a cuss, like a fucking sailor. Well, if you're religious, you are not going to want to work with Corinne Crabtree, but you may love the simplicity of my weight loss techniques. Well, I need more people out there doing that. And so I just think like, I think we need a better energy in the entire business space around how can we help each other? How can we rise up? How can we do more together than sitting around? Like it drives me crazy when coaches are so worried that another coach might actually say something the same way they do. Like, (laughs) so what? Like we are all going to say things the same. Like there's no way that's not going to happen. We're all reading the same books. We're all listening to the same podcasts. I mean, it's, it's impossible for us not to eventually kind of sound like each other. We're just all going to have like, a unique group that we help, or we're going to say it in a unique way or whatever. I just think we need to get over this fear. Like, like there's this, I don't know, limited bucket of people in the world who want to change their lives. I think Mm. most people in the world would love to change their lives. And it is very untapped. There are so many people in this world right now, stuck in weight loss, stuck in business, not dreaming. No one's ever told them they can have these things. And it is ridiculous of us all to think that we can't all together help all of them i don't think we have to i just think we need to collaborate more and be i don't know if it's let be less territorial i think is more what i see a lot of times is like when you get into yeah. business you're just, and i don't think it comes from an evil spirit i think it literally comes from one of those initial motivators i'm so afraid i can't do it and the way it manifests is i worry that someone else is going to do it better or someone else is going to take mm. my things And it's like, 
at the end of the day, the fear is you don't know, you haven't done your work on how great you are, how unique you are. If you spent more time focusing on all of that, you'll find you're a little bit more um, abundant. I hate to use the word because abundant is so overused these days, but it really is yeah. about that collaborating and abundant and like, because I'm all, people always tell me, you just give away the store, like legit, you give it all away. And I'm like, yeah. And some people are going to pay me and some aren't. And they're like, aren't you worried about the people who don't pay you? And I'm like, I am not worried about them. I hope to God they're happy. That's what I really hope. I don't need everybody to pay me. I just need a certain amount to pay me. And the rest of them, let them have an amazing time with all my free crap and let other coaches come. Like I have coaches that come into my weight loss program all the time just to study how we coach. And they go out and do it themselves. And they're like, aren't you worried about that? I'm like, no, I'm not worried about it at all. There's plenty of overweight people in the world. I don't, like, I don't have enough money to find them. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thank you for that. So, Corinne, tell us, where can our listeners find you? And what have you got going on at the moment? What do we need to know about Corinne Crabtree? Well, the, if you are interested in weight loss, the best way to get involved is, is with my free course. It's called, you can go to nobsfreecourse.com. I've had a million people go through this thing at this point. I about died when my team told me this the other day. I was like, a million people? Like, That's yeah, amazing. A million people have been through it. I'm like, what would that even look like? Like if I had to put them someplace, where would I even put them? <laughs> like, I couldn't even <laughs> fathom it. Uh, if you are a coach who does want to specialize in weight loss and you want some advanced tools in that, like you want to get like an advanced certification, that's my next big thing that's coming up and applications start on April 1st. You can go to theweightlossuniversity.com and you can get on the wait list. We'll send you all the information, but it is a program that is designed to teach you how to coach like I coach. We give you all my tools. Like if you want to go out there and teach my phases of change and my four basics, have at it, do your thing. And then with that comes a two-day business boot camp here in Nashville, which I know you're like all in Australia. I'll probably ain't all coming to Nashville, but that is included in that advanced certification. And um, three months of my business membership is included in that advanced certification. So I want to spend 12 weeks with people really focused on how to do the coaching, but you can be the best coach in the world. If you don't know how to get other people to know that you're a good coach, we got a problem. <laughs> like you can only skill up so much before you got to skill up how to like attract people to you, how to get the word out that you can help them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, thanks for that. And just just before we finish up, um, out of everything that we've spoken about today and talked about, what's what's one, I guess, key takeaway for our amazing listeners that you can leave them with before we finish up? Change how you talk to yourself. I think that's mm. the most important thing a woman can do. We are um, nobody in the world. I, I won't say nobody. Let's put it this way. The world has been designed to keep women down and we're breaking mm. free of it, I think, finally. But if you're waiting for the rest of the world to get on board with how great you are, you're going to have a long, slow fucking wait. So the best way to do it, if you want to feel better about yourself, is really learn how you talk to yourself. Get coaches like y'all. Like coaches will, like, if you don't know how, they will spotlight every doo-doo thought you have. Like my clients are always like, you just don't let no thought go unturned, do you? Like, they can't say <laughs> shit without me going like, 
wait a minute, what did you just say? So just make sure that you're listening to how you speak to yourself because your potential, your future, everything that's ahead of you is relying on you developing a better relationship with you. Yeah. Oh, so powerful. And can I just ask one more thing to finish yeah. really quickly? How come you call swearing cussing? <laughs> I what we say in the South, like, gosh, you know, that's so funny. I'll have to, I say, my husband, I have this running joke every day, at least twice. I'm like, Ooh, we should Google that. We Google the most random <laughs> other day I Googled, I looked at him and I said, when do you think we'll get to like, we'll stop having sex. Like if you had to just guess. And he was like, what kind of question is that? And I said, <laughs> surely this is a thing. Like, I just think that probably at some point, a couple, it's just like, you never know the last time you tuck your baby in bed. Like one day we're going to have sex. We won't even know it was the last time. And he was like, mm. well, how old was Hugh Hefner? And I said, look, big boy, you're putting yourself on Hugh Hefner's. <laughs> like, I was like, that is, that is a white man right there. Egos like, for days. So I Googled it. I was like, what is the average? Like, <laughs> sex. And it was like 55 for women, 85 for men. It was like ridiculous. And I said, well, we're wow. going to meet in the middle. I'm not interested in 85, but at 55, I think that's a little light. <laughs> so I, what was, what was the question? Oh, I got off on the Google story. I, I've forgotten. That was such an entertaining yeah. story. Why, why, why do you call swearing cussing? Oh, like oh, I'm yeah. a writer, so I love the origin of words and slang, and I don't know what it, what it is. I will have to look it up, but I will bet you it's just the way that Southerners say it. Almost everybody uh, asks me something about like, why you say that? And it's like, I don't know, something, some shit my, my grandmother said, I'm not sure, <laughs> but I've always called it cussing. Like I've never said, I don't think I've ever called it swearing. I swear. I think I'm like, you know, I cuss, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so funny. I love it. Uh, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you for letting us know the average as well of when men and women um, stop having sex, because clearly we needed that on our podcast. So thanks I for know. that too. Like whenever anybody has me on their podcast, they just need to know at one point it's likely to go off the rails. Just saying. <laughs> well, we're uh, we're all all in for things going off the rails. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here today. Um, it's been amazing. It was a pleasure to have you on Work you. Life Wine Time. Yeah. So thank you so much. Yeah. And. Yeah, and that brings us to the end of this episode. So as usual, all of our beautiful, amazing work wives out there know that collaboration is power and we all do this together. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. If you enjoyed it, hit subscribe. If you'd like to learn more, then check out our website, www.workwifewinetime.com.au. While you're there, jump on our mailing list to receive special updates and offers from our guests. Until next time... Take care and drink responsibly.